Hello, I'm Scott DuPont with another episode of Finance Your Movie, sharing tips and strategies to help you fund your independent feature, documentary, short film, or web series. Our mission is to empower you to get your money to tell your story. So how do you get a Gen Z investor? Well, here are 10 tips and strategies. In case you don't know the term uh, Generation Z, uh, these are the youngsters. These are the young kids who were born between 1997 and 2012. So they're nine years old to 24 years old. This is the younger generation. Uh, but they have an annual buying power of $300 billion, That's with a B, $300 billion dollars. And this is the first generation to never, ever know the world without smartphones or without the internet. And for the specific purposes of this episode, uh, which are the group of Gen Z potential investors who could finance your movie, I'm really talking about the 18 to 24-year-olds. Now, it's not to say that there couldn't be some 13 or 14-year-old kid out there that invents some widget or some app that gets bought out by Google or Instagram or something like that, but you would have to go through their parents or their legal guardians. So I'm really excited more and more about not ever, ever, ever in the future discounting 18 to 24-year-olds because you never know how much money some of these uh, younger people have. And I never really thought about Gen Zers, you know, in that category at the time. But on a recent film I produced, the I didn't think about this at the time, but it just so happens that the very first investor in that film was the 24-year-old son of our director, and he ended up putting a five he ended up putting in a five-figure investment, pretty sizable investment. Um, but what really got me thinking recently, this week, about actually focusing on Gen Z, Z investors for my next project was I was back in Orlando uh, last week for the Orlando International Film Festival, staying with one of my best friends and um, who I've known since college, and his son stopped by to see me because he knew I was there. His dad said, hey, Scott's coming into town, and I saw this guy. His name is Pete. His son's name is Pete, too. You know, I, I've known him for all 23, 24 years of his entire life. So we've grown to be very, very close over the years. And he stopped by to say hello, but also to show off his brand new Tesla. And the reason for that was he remembered about 10 years ago or so, or maybe longer than that, uh, whenever I would visit, I would rent a electric car and then later on, I did the electric car documentary. And he was a young kid. He saw the movie. And that was the seed that was planted years and years ago for him someday when he had enough money to buy his own electric car. And he just bought a Tesla, which is pretty cool. So here's the point. You don't want to overlook the late teenagers or young people in their early 20s as serious uh, potential investors. I mean, serious contenders. Because through this current era 
of self-education, the dozens of platforms across the internet, digital currency, all this stuff going on. This is a fact. The young people today are creating wealth 10 times faster than ever in history. I'm old enough, well, the Forbes 400 still exists. It's mostly online, but I, God, for the past 30 plus years, one of the most exciting Forbes magazine issues I look forward to is reading the Forbes uh, 400, basically the 400 richest people in the world. And it used to be, you know, back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, somewhat in the 90s, they were people that inherited or people that had built up this huge corporation over 20 or 30 years and then sold the company or somebody that started buying real estate and they over 20 or 30 years they developed this huge real estate empire not so much anymore a lot of the people you see on the Forbes 400 and it's not, not just the Mark Zuckerbergs Zuckerbergs but it's these 18, 19, 20-year-olds who just developed some incredible app that a year or two year later, years later gets bought out by Google or gets bought out by Facebook. So it's absolutely incredible how fast wealth can be created for young people these days. So that's the whole point. Don't overlook this group of potential investors because I certainly have. I haven't really been paying attention to it. And what really grabbed my attention to this is uh, just last month, I was reading an entrepreneur magazine. There was a great article called Stop Selling to Generation Z by Liz Brody. And here's a few takeaways from the article. I learned a lot and I'm going to specifically frame this for what is applicable to you as a filmmaker to help you get more Gen Z investors along with a few of my own insights. So the goal of this episode is to help you not, not overlook in any way this valuable demographic population for potential investors for you and also give you some insights that will help you actually secure some of them to finance your next project. So here we go. Number one, don't try too hard. Meaning, don't, just don't try to sell too hard. Don't make a big deal about it. I talk a lot in many, many of my episodes here about stop selling and start sharing, okay? Because that's a much, much better way to um, basically share your potential film or your potential web series investment opportunity. You don't want to sell, 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 sell. You want to be excited about it, but share it with as many people as you can. Because if you sell too hard, if you try too hard, most generation Zers, they're going to say bye-bye. They're just going to, they're just going to walk away. This generation is very savvy uh, about marketing and advertising, and they can sniff out BS extremely quickly. They recognize disingenuous selling and, of course, condescending marketing. So when you're talking about your next film project, 
it pays to simply be honest, open, and transparent. And that's what's going to connect you to a Gen Z potential investor more than anything. Number two, most Gen Zers are socially conscious. I mean, everyone's now talking about climate change. Uh, everyone's talking about eating less meat. Everyone's talking about driving an electric car. Everyone's talking about, you know, sustainability for the future. And there's nothing wrong with that because we've got some serious problems with our planet all over the world. Um, and just understand that a Generation Z person, they're thinking about this lot a lot more, and they should be, than somebody who's maybe 95 years old and has got one foot in the grave, okay? Or they're closer to the end of their life. So with all that said, there's great potential here uh, for investors, especially for documentaries. But even if you're doing a narrative and your film or your web series has a really powerful social message that connects and resonates with them, that can be a huge hook to get investors on board. Let me, let me give you a quick example of this. And I know the story well because one of our, one of, uh, our recent investors also invested in the movie, the documentary, Cowspiracy. You might remember... I don't know how old the movie is. I don't know. Maybe it's five, seven years old. But it was an independently financed film. I think it was maybe, I'm just going to guess. I don't know the exact number. But I think it was about half a million dollars. And a lot of their investors that put money into Cowspiracy, you know, they were looking for a profit. But they were also people that were really passionate about uh, shifting towards a more plant-based diet, uh, encouraging people to consider being vegetarian or vegan, or people that were just concerned about the impact that (coughs) massive, massive cattle farms, these factory farms are having uh, on all sorts of levels, not just for the environment, but for animal cruelty, also for uh, land use, um, I, I don't want to get sidetracked here because there's a lot of um, reasons why people that are really into this would consider investing in a documentary called Cowspiracy. Well, lucky for them, the film got picked up by Netflix. Uh, I think they doubled or tripled their, their, their money. So they came out quite well and they actually even did a sequel to Cowspiracy called Cowspiracy 2. But anyway, that's a great example of how if you have a socially conscious message or thread in your project, that's a great hook for investors. Number three, most Gen Zers, they don't want to buy from a big brand. In fact, some of them are resentful of huge conglomerate brands, but they're okay and they're smart enough sometimes to partner with them. So a savvy strategy for you might be to have some product placement or some product partnering or branding as part of your film business plan or marketing strategy. And that alone might pique some potential 
uh, interest from Gen Z investors. Number four, 80% of Gen Zers, according to a survey, believe in community. So if you're plugged into a community that basically connects you or could connect you with a potential Gen Z investor. And at any rate, it could it could open a lot of doors for you. So most Gen Zers, they want to develop a successful and meaningful relationship with their consumers. So if you talk about or convey the meaningful relationships that you want to build with all of your viewers, that you want to connect with your audience, that's just another talking point that a Gen Z person may well understand in terms of community and connecting with people. Number five, don't so much ask for the money, at least up front or first. What I mean by that is you want to, instead of, hey, I'm looking for $100,000 for this film project. At first, maybe what you want to show them uh, what your mission is. And if there's a little bit of good synergy, the right Gen Z investor might start asking you some questions to learn more, like the cowspiracy ex- uh, you know, example. So um, this is a great strategy. And once they start asking uh, some potential questions from you or just wanting to find out a little bit more about your mission, that's a great sign that shows that they might start coming back to you and really maybe asking you, hey, is, are you looking for investors? That's the, that's the best scenario of all. So think for a minute about uh, charities, okay? Most people that donate to charities they often feel a synergy with. There's an interest. There's some sort of connection. And what's interesting is they themselves, the people that write the checks to charities, they themselves usually talk themselves into writing a big check for really any amount. I, I don't give these, I'm not in a position to give out these big checks yet, but you know, for me, it's often a smaller check. But let's just talk about the big checks, 10000 100000 or a million dollars. It's not so much the person working at the charity asking for the money. It's often their inner voice, the Gen Z person who's writing the check. Sometimes it's their inner voice themselves who step up and write the check because they feel some kind of connection with their alma mater, with their community interest, with the charity that excites them. It's their, their mission. It's their, their passion about that. So um, with that said, oftentimes you might connect with a potential investor. Um, and if it happens to be an 18-year-old who's a multi-multi-millionaire and they connect with you, they sometimes will talk themselves into writing the check. Now with that said, it's always still your job to follow up, okay? If they have some interest in your film or whatever, don't just you know, sit on the sidelines. Keep in touch with that person every few weeks because as I always like to say, the fortune is always in the follow-up. 
Number six, support them and their interests first, however you can. Uh, what I mean by this, let's just say you're, hopefully you have some sort of connection with the person. That's really first and foremost. But let's just say you don't really know the person that well, but you're following them on social media. Maybe you're, uh, you know, your Twitter partners or you're connected on Instagram, whatever the platform is, your Facebook friends. You want to, uh, over time, you want to uh, start writing some great online posts or some Yelp reviews about them, their brand, their business. Because if I see somebody writing on my wall or a social media site of one of my films or one of my books on a regular basis or retweeting my projects from time to time, I will, t- I will take notice. I appreciate those people. So show some love and support, always in a genuine way. You don't want to be fake. And over time, the people behind these brands, um, I recently had a major, major recognizable celebrity. Uh, it wasn't her directly, but I supported her brand. And the very next week, somebody within that brand started following me on Twitter. So I, I knew exactly how it happened. So it's amazing how these people will take notice, especially a Gen Zer. So the bottom line is people usually invest with people they like, trust, and enjoy. And if you're out there supporting them on a public forum, social media, it's not going to do you any harm, trust me. Number seven, do your homework. Uh, speaking of social media uh, and big, big influencers, let me tell you, uh, this is a really interesting JT Fox story. So JT Fox, uh, I invest a lot of money into his events, his books, his knowledge. Uh, I'm a millionaire flick subscriber because I believe in that. Um, so JT Fox in a way, is one of my coaches. I listen to a lot of advice that he shares. Um, and he does some really, really cool stuff. So last year, he if you signed up in time, he invited some of his people to a live pitch event where he was actually looking for deals to invest in, people to partner with. Um, this time, it was mostly real estate deals, and a lot of the real estate deals he does, they start at millions. Sometimes they go up to tens of millions of dollars. Uh, quick side note, I actually got to pitch JT himself and his CEO about a film project. And if anything comes of that, you listening right now, you will be the very first to know because I will announce it here first. But anyway, back to the story. So uh, JT, he's a few years past Gen Z. Uh, but he's still an extremely young, multi-multi-millionaire. Uh, he'll probably be a billionaire in the next five years. But here's here's what happened. He invited some of us to come on to this live pitch where he was allowing people right on the Zoom call. We were all sitting there watching and listening the pitch. And some of the pitches he said, okay, this is great. I'm going to follow up with... Uh, you know, Francie's assistant, the C, my CEO, 
And we're going to set up another meeting next week to, dis to discuss this. And I might well consider investing $5 million. This looks, this looks great. It's really cool to see the pitches that worked and the ones that didn't. So the point here about doing your homework is on one of the later calls that day, this is like the live pitcherama day, uh, this guy actually, I think he was either from Australia or New Zealand, and he had met JT in person. Uh, JT knew who this guy was. This guy obviously knew who JT was, you know, the world's number one wealth coach. And he had a pretty decent pitch. But JT, towards the end of the call, he called this guy out a little bit. He's like, hey, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, I was coaching you before. I haven't seen you for five years. And then all of a sudden you circle back and you want me to put $5 million in uh, this deal. Uh, by the way, are, you know, what, when's the last time you've interacted with us? Are you uh, subscribing to Millionaire Flix? And at the time... Millionaire Flix was only $19. I don't know what it is, the time we're broadcasting this uh, episode here. But for somebody to pitch a $5 million project to JT, and not only was he not a Millionaire Flix subscriber, which he got called out on, but he wasn't even following JT like the past year. He didn't really know what he was doing. And that was brutal, man. JT called him out. And I can tell you right now, uh, he did not get that deal. So my point is, you really have to do your homework. And especially with a Gen Zer, because in my humble opinion, I believe that the younger generation, especially the 18, 19, 20-year-olds, you know, this might come off the wrong way, but this is just what I perceive as the truth. The younger business people, because they haven't been in business as long, they need more validation. They need more confirmation than, let's just say, a successful businessman in his 50s or 60s. Because I guarantee that really successful multi-millionaire businessman in his uh, 60s or a businesswoman in her 60s, They've had a lot more failures, a lot more battle scars. Maybe they've been through a few bankruptcies. Maybe they've lived through a hostile takeover attempt. They've done a couple of failed public offerings. Um, you know, they, they've gone through bankruptcy multiple times. Versus someone who's 20, 19 years old, they're just not as hardened. So that's uh, just throwing that out there um, for what it's worth. Number eight. Learn their specific language and their hangouts. For example, if you're 18 years old, okay, and you're, you're out there, you've got a successful business, one of your platforms, uh, it might not necessarily be LinkedIn, but it could well be TikTok or Twitch or Rumble, okay? Different platforms for the younger generation. Now, you don't have to, and I'm not suggesting you go out and learn every single one of these new platforms, but perhaps you pick up one of these newer platforms that really caters to more young people as opposed to, you know, Facebook is more middle-aged people, whereas Instagram, uh, when it first came out, had a lot more teenagers, younger people. So I think you get my point. Just... 
try to expand to at least one more platform where you can start connecting and uh, you know maybe supporting some of these successful Gen Zers to build up relationships. Number nine, make it easy for them. If you have a website, a landing page, any platform for your film, make sure that it and any and all of all your supporting uh, documentation, they're all mobile compatible, okay? Because the Gen Z uh, person, investor, is probably going to be spending more time on his or her uh, mobile device than they will on a desktop or even a laptop. It's just, you know, they're just running around on their cell phones. Whereas, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I personally, I don't like spending a lot of time on my cell phone with a, with a you know, a tiny three or four inch screen. Um, I would rather look at something on a great big computer screen. It's easier for me to see. It's, my keyboard is much easier for me to type. Um, that's just me. So anyway, make sure you have a few different ways that these young but wealthy potential Gen Z investors can easily contact you. You don't want to hide out. You don't want to make it difficult for any potential investor to contact you. Every piece of communication I send out to a potential investor, I always have at least two or three different methods of contact, whether it's my cell phone, my bat phone, my direct email, uh, Facebook link, uh, web, the f- website of the film, etc. So just make it easy for them. And lastly, number 10, this is a very, very important and I think the most exciting point that I just kind of figured out and the light bulb went off. Um, so here it is. If and, and, and picture, if I were to draw out uh, one of those uh, graphic charts, right? Like a, like, a, like a graph. And if I were to draw a invest, an, an investment risk chart based upon how young or how old a person is, okay? The gen- Generation Z that we're focusing on, the 18 or 24-year-olds out of Gen Z, they have a lot of years ahead of them. And many of them have an invincible mindset, especially in business. They're willing to take tons and tons and tons of risks. Because if you're 18 years old and you fail and you fail again and you fail again, so what? You'll probably turn around and get another bunch of credit cards. You can borrow some money to dig your way out or you can figure out a way in a couple years to try again. Pick yourself up and try again. And you have a lot of time in your life to accumulate wealth. You're not even thinking about retirement, or certainly not so much, versus a potential investor in their 30s or 40s. Now, someone in, most of my investors, if I could just do a quick snapshot, and I don't want to say this is 100% accurate, but I would guess, just off the top of my head, that most of my potential investors over the years have been in their 30s or 40s because... Their peak earning potentials, uh, a lot of them have some savings or they have a pool of capital that they're willing to invest. They're, they're sure some of them are starting to think about retirement, the smart ones, but they're not really concerned about, oh yeah, I'm going to retire in five or 10 years, where you, know, you go up a few years, 50s or 60s, they're in a different category and they're really thinking about retirement versus you know if you're in your 70s or 80s or 90s, 
okay? Most of those people, they're not working, so they're living on a fixed income, and, you know, you really have to think about what money you start throwing around when you're on a fixed income, because you have no new hits, you have no new uh, things you can just, you know, new scores, you can dump a whole bunch of money in your bank account like you can if you get lucky when you're younger. So uh, most of the, by the way, most of the 70, 80, 90 year olds, uh, I never pre-qualify for them. Like I'm not going to stop calling some of my older friends who are in their, their 80s or 90s. Um, I just don't pre-qualify anyone because I don't want to lose a potential investor. But um, I will always, uh, and the reason I say that, you know, there are some single people in their 80s or 90s that they don't want to take these millions to the grave with them, especially if they don't have any kids. Now, they might have a foundation or trust, but anyway, um, just know that most of these people in their 70s or 80s, they're extremely risk-averse, and they probably should be because, like I said, they're living on a fixed income. So you compare that to a potential investor who's 18, 19, 20 years old, it's the exact opposite. They, the young Gen Z uh, kids, they are the most likely to be excited about a high-risk investment. And of course, that's what we're all selling here. We're selling a high-risk movie investment opportunity. Now, there's different levels of risk for different types of movies, but compared to most other investments, a movie, you know, it is what it is. It's a high-risk investment. So here's what got me most excited when I was finishing up this episode, you know, about the Gen Zs, is I'm going to start focusing more and more of my effort on Gen Zs because they should, and if logic has anything to do with this, they should be 10 times or at least twice as likely to consider a high-risk investment versus somebody later on in their career, you know, their 60s or 70s or 80s. So I hope this episode gets you thinking about reaching out to many, many more Gen Zers for your next project. I know I will. And instead of just reaching out to my friends and contacts wherever appropriate, I'm going to start also reaching out to their kids and their grandkids. So best of luck to you, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Tune in next week, or for more info, visit financeyourmovie.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you have a story to tell the world, never give up on your dream. Copyright Nemours Marketing.